Hello and welcome to today's ResiCast. We're talking about PropTech and I'm joined by Rupert Parker, who is the head of future proofing at Avison Young, by Franz Durr, who's the founder at Flatfair, and by Gabriel Mercado, who is the founder and CEO at Realize. Um, Rupert Parker, let's come to you first from the consultancy world. Now, you're heading up a lot of change at Avison Young, which is making great strides into the UK consultancy market over the last couple of years. How quickly are you seeing change? What are you doing to accelerate it? And how much of it is simply a load of tech wash? How much of this is just simply smoke and mirrors, a load of BS? Um, So I'd say there is a hell of a lot of noise out there. Um, There are a lot of companies making so much noise that, you know, it covers up what they are or aren't doing. Um, And I don't really see a lot of action happening. Um, I think what we're doing differently as a firm um, is incubating tech startups, understanding what they're developing and why they're developing it, and then learning whether to adapt or to adopt to the technology um, that's being developed. And you're actually getting your hands dirty and jumping in and, and, and using that stuff within your business, aren't you? We are. So every startup we bring in, we do a proof of concept with. So we test their technology alongside ourselves or with a client. So what does that mean? So give us one example where you've taken that stuff and applied it in the business. Cool. So there's a company called Infogrid. Um, they basically an IoT sensor company. We're testing desk occupation using their temperature sensors, which is a, uh, an anonymous way of tracking people around a, a floor. Where do you draw the line of creepiness with something like that? Uh, we, just, we just don't want, you know, you don't need to know when Joe Bloggs has gone to the toilet and for how long. Um, but we do need to know how long desks are occupied for, how many desks are occupied, and whether communal space is used properly or not. And that, that then helps you on the design and evaluation process Absolutely. to be able to say... I should put an extra bunch of fluffy bean bags over here. Never the right answer, but <laughs> um, um, and Franz, you you don't have lots of fluffy bean bags in your office, but you are looking to try and sort out one of the biggest problems faced in the rental market, aren't you? Which is around deposits, referencing, and making move-ins much quicker and much more painless. Do you want to just tell us about what, what's the problem that Flatfair is solving? Thanks, Andrew. I mean, just to put it into perspective, we have a bit of a housing crisis uh, here in the UK. I mean, over the last seven years, London rent increased from a grand a month up to one and a half grand a month, and tenants struggle to move. And that is not just young families and young professionals, but it's true throughout um, throughout the society. And um, the idea of flat fare really is all about increasing mobility and make it easier and more affordable for tenants to move. So especially when you move into a new place, you have to usually put down a massive deposit, um, which can be thousands of pounds. And with flat fare, you don't have to do that anymore. You can effectively secure your tenancy just with your debit card. So like so, going into a hotel, exactly. putting your car behind the bar and saying, charge whatever I spend in a minibar to my to my, <laughs> my exactly. mask. A very similar concept. It's a bit more complicated on the technology side, so the tenant effectively tokenizes their debit card, which means that they pre-authorize us to take any proven charges from their bank account at the end of the tenancy, 
and we get updated card information from the card issuers like MasterCard, Visa, American Express on a weekly basis. So we are in the best possible position to charge the tenant's card at the end of the tenancy. So if I get a new card, for example, because the old one's expired, then it, it rolls on. Yeah, we always get the latest information. We always have the latest information on file um, to protect the property. So this sounds more like a fintech or payment business than a prop tech business. Yeah, I think it is certainly an angle. I think we also see ourselves more as a payment technology firm, um, solving a problem for renters in the in the residential property market. And and in terms of businesses you're already working with, I mean, you, you've just completed quite a significant funding round, but you've you've had a number of quite large clients for a while, haven't you? People like Graystar, Urban Splash. You're working with Spicer Heart, the the estate agency chain, and yeah. and and other companies in the space. So what sort of stuff are you doing for people like Greystar? I mean, um, so we initially started with a deposit-free solution, which um, which Greystar has been using, I think, for more than a year now, very successfully. Um, but on the other hand side, we also have an instant referencing product where tenants can be instantly referenced through the open banking API. So, you know, normally the referencing so process... plugging into your bank accounts and... and yeah, basically. So effectively, tenants can push relevant data directly out of the bank account to prove income, minimum income, um, and can also prove that they have paid rent on time in the past. And we can then immediately verify the information instead of asking for pay slips or landlord reference. And all of this nonsense, it just takes so much time, doesn't it? Yeah, it just can be done within four minutes and at a fraction of the usual cost that referencing involves. And then the upside to a grey store or another build-to-rent investor is they can just do stuff instantly. Instantly. So you can literally come in the morning and can move in on the same date. And how um, does that plug in? I mean, it's all very well saying that, but does Flatfair plug in with everyone's uh, accountancy systems and, and building management software. How does yeah. it, how does it work? I mean, we have an API that uh, that integrates um, with with the usual uh, systems, but they don't have to necessarily do that. So you, you can operate a lot directly through our platform, which is fully integrated, and it all talks to each other. Um, Gav, in terms of data, that's basically the heart of your business. Tell us a little about how how Realizers evolved because you you've recently gone national, haven't you? You've expanded. Out of, out of the UK, kind of like Dylan going electric. Maybe um, <laughs> Pop's not quite as seismic. Maybe, no, maybe it is. But what is the problem that the realizer is looking to solve and how far along are you in doing that? Sure. Um, well, first of all, it's, it's an ever-evolving product and system uh, and the problem is never completely solved. But the problem that we are looking to address is really around clarity of information and the property market. Uh, my own background was originally in hedge funds and then transferring over into property development. And I was amazed that there wasn't a data system out there where market participants could see trends, see what was going on, see asset pricing, see you know where is the demand, where's the supply. All in one place. You in mean. one place, yeah. What people were doing was you know the, the same way things have been done for a very long time, a lot of manual legwork, a lot of conversations, digging up files, um, Sometimes some companies would have a myriad of different, slightly dysfunctional systems. So it's a war on paper, a war on Excel, and a war on librarians. I don't know about librarians; they're all right. Um, <laughs> but, you're, but but in terms of what you're looking to create, it, it, it's a simplified platform that brings all this stuff together, right? Very simple, very straightforward platform that brings together and automates the process of information gathering, so that development companies, asset managers, banks, etc can make very quick and accurate decisions about the market. So, so, so tell us about some of your customers. How do they use it? What, what, what are so, what okay. the upside of this stuff? Why can't you just go on 
the government websites look at planning consent? Okay, so at the moment, one of the, the big topics is build to rent. So there's you know, lots and lots of companies getting into, into build to rent, and they need to understand what are the levels of affordability. Uh, what are the rents that are being charged in the market for different product types, uh, different building types? What are the competitors up to uh, that nobody wants to go and build a building right next to where their competitor is going to build one and then have a fight to the bottom to try and get tenants into it? So we bring together all of that information so you know, a development company can then accurately forecast what is likely to occur if they go ahead and, and push the button on a particular developer. So it's just automating Conventional research jobs, basically, in, in a, in a yeah. platform that yeah. integrates large part together. of it. Yeah, and, and and Rupert Parker, in, in terms of this change piece that we see coming up the road, technology is going to have quite an impact on the consultancy sphere, isn't it? In terms of project management, cost consultancy, and all of these sorts of things, where data has a role to make things better and make people more productive. Do you think things are moving quickly enough? Um, they are moving. They're moving slowly at the moment, um, but it will take a little bit of education to, to gain the trust of people who are currently sort of encumbered in the industry. Um, people realize that data can help them make better decisions. It's just a case of changing work patterns and workflows to integrate the new forms of work into what we currently do. And, and what stuff are you seeing that's interesting? What, what, what you know, obviously some of the, the startups that, you know, that you probably come past it or some of them aren't things you'd necessarily get involved with. What, what do you look for in a business that would make you bring them into Avison Young? If they solve a problem. And that's why France, France and Gab, Gav have um, really kind of hit on something is that they've identified a problem first and then they're trying to solve that using technology. And, and Franz, tell us about your background. So you were at Deutsche Bank. Um, there's probably a few more Deutsche Bankers on the streets of London now than there, than there were. Um, but... You've come to, to to property with a payment solution. What what does the tech look like? Tell us a little bit about that, because mm-hmm. we, we talk a lot about the problems, but I think people are interested often in, in what the actual tech is that goes on under the bonnet. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I have that's my background. So I, I moved from from Germany about five years ago with Deutsche Bank um, to London. Um, so it's my background and it's my specialty is in payment technology. Um, with, with regards to Flatfair, we basically try to solve something that uh, was not possible a few years ago because you had to use a cash deposit if you wanted to make charges or deductions from tenants at the end of a lease. Let's say you want to go after a tenant for 200 quid. It's pretty much impossible. But today, we basically have the ability through open banking or pre-authorizations that tenants can effectively tokenize their debit card with us so we can actually charge it at the end of a tenancy and that is quite a unique technology stack um, that we have developed and this is part of the part of the shift that we're seeing in in build to rent isn't it where again you've got long-standing institutional owners who can derive value from the quality and the value creation and that mm-hmm. that that quality has to be underpinned by data, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it helps us on the one hand side to to provide um, our our clients in the in the beat, beat built rent uh, space uh, with a solution that helps them to um, improve tenant retention, um, tenant quality, and when they score the quality of the tenant before they move in. But at the same time, also um, give them top line um, revenue uh, upside by using using our product. At the same time, on the what bottom, does that mean? So how do, how does Graystar get an upside in value? 
Well, because effectively it makes their properties much more attractive if they don't charge tenants a deposit, but at the same time... Get because they can get them in quicker. They get them in quicker, um, and it makes the, the, the properties let much quicker, and it, it makes the properties more competitive versus uh, other properties in the market. Yeah, I think early adopters of tech like Flatfare are going to be the winners in, the, in this game, because eventually everyone will have it, and then you know, you're not necessarily going to see... A difference. But also, what's really critical is also to see like the savings opportunities. So we basically help these providers to streamline processes all around the tenancy. That's like pre-tenancy processes, like referencing, for example, or the deposit. Um, and, but also at the end of the tenancy, when it's about moving out, right? We basically streamline the whole deboarding process. Everything is managed through our flat fare app and saves them lots of money. And and. Uh, Gav, in terms of data sitting at the heart of a lot of the stuff, and a number of your clients are institutional investors that, again, have a long-term interest in understanding the market and being able to derive actionable, real-time analytics from, from the world around them. How far are we along the, 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 the path in terms of making all the systems talk to each other, in terms of standardizing data so that an input over here has an output over here and, and with, with a clear value attached to it, or, or we absolutely know we're on the game? <laughs> <laughs> I guess people listening can't see the expression on my face. Um, the, the standardization piece, I think, is a very, very tricky one. It, would be, it will be at some point great, and it will happen. But looking back through history at how different standardizations have occurred, it's, at least in my view, it's just been a natural market process that has evolved out of, out of whatever has become the most adopted technology. And then that basically sets the pace for all of the other systems. And, and, and almost as, as it is in consumer technology, where whoever has the dominant Netscape browser... <laughs> yeah. Uh, or DVD and VHS. But, but I think we have an opportunity here to actually drive change from the consultancy side of the piece is that actually we can drive this together. And it, it takes a body perhaps like RICS to, to drive this change. Yeah, so the RICS have been asking, they're working on this project at the moment around data standards and standardization. They've been asking us for our, our input on that. And if and when that then comes out and is put together, you know, maybe that will be the piece. And I imagine guys like you as well will also have things to add into that. What does that mean? I mean, we talk about data standards and the risk of sending everybody to sleep. What do we mean by that? <laughs> it's so, so exciting. We'll say, I mean, what, what, I mean look, look, it, it is pretty, on some level, pretty boring, but, but on other level, quite fundamental, because if, I, if my pension pot is being invested into some building that Avison Young is managing and, and, and that Flatfair is helping to rent out, I kind of want to know it's being done properly. What are some of the, the points that we're talking about? So Maybe a we'll really talk, simple one. Go really on. simple one. So if you think about your address, where you live, there's probably three or four different ways that you could write your home address in different orders. And if you look at different sets of documents, different organisations will have written your address in different ways mm -hmm. because there isn't a fixed standardisation. Now imagine the difficulty that we then have in training a machine to read that address and identify that flat 2 hyphen A is the same as flat 2A, or is it actually flat 2? and maybe it doesn't have the hyphen A anymore, those kind of things. We had that same thing, actually, in our flat. We, we rented a long time ago. It, was, it had been a converted property, and mm -hmm. the Royal Mail hadn't quite picked up. It had been converted. It probably hadn't been done legally. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I think I was trying to get a credit card or something, and it didn't. The, the, the banking system... would recognise the address or Amex something like couldn't that, right? find it on its system, yeah. and the computer said no, and that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, and, and, Franz, in terms of, of your position you know, coming from a banking background... Do you think the property market is a little bit behind or a lot behind or not behind at all? Yeah, it feels a bit like where 
finance of fintech was about 15 to 18 years ago. You know, when like PayPal started to emerge as one of the first players in the in the fintech space. I, I don't even know whether PayPal was actually called a fintech these days. Which <laughs> um, is a utility, isn't it? I mean, it's just accepted that if you can do it, and that's what I. It's, it doesn't for me. It doesn't seem particularly novel that you would be able to hand over your credit card and and pay for a deposit. Yet somehow it is. Yeah, I think what, what, what it really comes um, down to is the way we collect updated card information on an ongoing basis and how we basically store that. Um, I think that is kind of like the very unique feature that is something um, that has nobody has actually done before. How safe is it? Because, I mean, a lot of people would look at you going, well, you're some startup, and yes, you've done a nice big uh, investment round the last couple of weeks, but, but how kosher is it that you hold loads of my, my residents' data? How much trust can I have in you to not lose them or yes. get hacked? So we don't store them actually in our own service. We store them PCI compliant with a payment provider. What does that mean? So explain that in plain English to us. So it basically means that um, we as a startup, as you mentioned, don't hold the data um, ourselves, um, but they're basically held with our payment provider who's storing the car data, which is a company called Stripe. It's the big US uh, payment provider. Stripe, yeah, very big global player yeah, in the, in the global space. Player, yeah. So that's why how we kind of get around their trust thing. I, I think the trust thing is, is one of the biggest issues, face, the, the biggest challenges facing prop tech startups is that incumbents don't trust technology which is coming through. And I see that day to day in the role I play and clients and people at Avis and Young, we just don't necessarily trust it unless we see it working. So by in, an incumbent, you mean what? The, the, the big consultancies, the investment houses? Yep, all the above. Um, and, and, but I mean, good reason though, because you know, if you're a bank or an institutional investor of any, of any brand recognition and you put your trust in somebody and, and they, you, you get screwed by that. Uh, that's, absolutely, that's I completely sure. agree. But this, this is now the biggest challenge facing the prop tech startups. They need to go and establish trust. And, and Gav, how does that how does that come about? Well, I was just going to say, you know, to to support your point, a couple of years ago, going out there and saying, hey, we'll realise it's a big data analytics platform, people just said, what? what what's that? Why would I want to use that? Then we're in the shifting point of the market where we're getting into that early adopter stage, and I think through consistency of action, so you know, our company being consistently out there gaining more clients, traction, et cetera, et cetera, people then come to recognize, okay, this really is a shifting market and this is something we need to be part of. You know, the bigger the firm, the less likely they're going to be a super early adopter. It's just the nature of things, but that's totally fine because they've got to balance out the, the risk of getting it wrong with the return of getting it right and getting it just early enough. Yeah, I think it's, it was very similar with all products. So when we got started, you have like the, the early innovators. Hmm. Um, um, who kind of like trialed it and tested it initially, right? Um, and then you have it running for about 18 months. And I think now we are at a stage where you're kind of like crossing the chasm, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes more mainstream. And I feel like every um, built-to-rent landlord or um, agent will have a deposit replacement product in their portfolio within the next 12 months. Um, and that is a very interesting development. So it, I believe it will become like the new way of things. It just takes time to build this trust. And, and I think the other key thing there is that, is that it's not just about deposits. Is it? it's, you talked a lot about referencing yeah. and people being able to move seamlessly between properties. And that, that's a real consumer issue, isn't it? I mean, at the moment, um, you know, our partners are using different solutions, uh, maybe one solution to generate tenancy agreements, one solution to do the referencing. Then they are usually signed up with one of the deposit schemes. Then they do some you know, other services. It's all over the place. And what we really want to help them is streamline all of those in one place and build an operating system for renting. At the same time, help them save costs and increase uh, revenue opportunities. And, and 
Gav, that's what it comes back to, isn't it? Ultimately, we're talking about costs and, and where your uh, your position in the market is leaving stuff to be done quicker and leaving who to be more productive. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So rather than uh, an organisation having a team of analysts spending X hundred hours trying to pull together information and make sense of what's going on, they've then got a system that can do it on the spot for them and then it just leaves more brain capacity to make intelligent decisions. And And... And thinking about people coming through, so anyone that might be listening to this with a prop tech startup, what, what advice do you give them? What are some of, what was, what's been the biggest barrier that you've overcome other than explaining what big data analytics <laughs> means to, to... I'd actually say that has been the biggest one, this education piece and around timing in the market, it, just the mentality of the market. Some of the things that we would hear in the early days of how people were making decisions were shocking. Um, now Why? Why were they shocking? Uh, I probably shouldn't say in no, terms of the give, level give us, of... Give us, give us one, you don't have to name names. Don't, don't lie with anybody, but you uh, can give us an anonymized... Uh, one very, very massive organisation that was making investment decisions off the back of uh, going to the pub and having a couple of pints with uh, an agent to hear what it was that they thought about it. And I thought, my God, really? You guys are putting in hundreds of millions of other people's money off of this. Um, that kind of thing. Sure now, agents going to the pub, Rupert Parker? Is that, uh, I am an ex-agent and yeah. agents do go to the pub. Yeah, everyone goes to the pub. We like yeah. to think that we're knowledgeable yeah. um, and we live in the market that we serve. So I think, you know, the agent's view mixed with a, a data, solid data platform is the ideal way forward. The human brain with the actual Quantitative data. and qualitative mm. at the same time, Precisely. definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy for people to just to say, well, this is what our AI has coughed out and this is what you should do. But it, it's not quite as easy as that, is it? No, it's not. And so what, There's a very human element to making decisions in property, I think. So, 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 so as, 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 you know, as we conclude, what, what are one of the two pieces, what are the two nuggets of advice that, that you would offer up to potential suitors, potential prop tech rising stars? Um, should I start? Yeah, um, go for it. I think have an issue that you are solving and don't oversell what you're selling. Make so, it simple and have a have a target. So not just prop tech for the sake of the prop and tech And don't call yourself a prop tech company. Yeah. <laughs> I can confirm that. Don't call yourself a prop tech company. <laughs> we prefer to refer to ourselves as fintech. <laughs> okay, so we're killing off prop tech. Yeah. It's just become this cloud of confusion i think and as, as soon as you know an incumbent in the industry hears prop tech you think oh another prop tech company it's just it's become that thing now what do you mean what do you mean that thing become <laughs> that, that that annoying thing that, oh another prop tech company wants to come and pitch to me and it's it's just boring no there's a solution call yourself a solution provider or something that's a, that's a fair point i mean friends you agree with that obviously because you know, you're coming from a payments background. Well, what, what's been, what are the big challenges that you've overcome so in terms of you know, moving forward, getting some you know, grade A clients on board like Urban Splash and, and CBRE and, and Graystar yeah. and, and obviously successfully closing a, a, a round with one of the world's biggest investors. What, what has been one of the barriers that, that you've overcome that, that you could you know, help others in climbing over? Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the, the key things is about building a reputation, um, you know, which is something that just takes time and engagement uh, and, staying, and staying focused. For example, when we started the business, uh, we initially ran it for nearly a year out of my house. We didn't have any funding. 
um, which is like one of the most challenging things to stay focused and not give up. So all, all what I can tell to founders, right, who are now in the same position is to just keep pushing um, because eventually the day will come where you kind of like have your first client life. It just usually takes 12 to 18 months and don't expect that to happen literally from day one because these companies that you just referred to, they manage billions uh, of assets. Uh, they don't just go and work with a random PropTech startup that was just founded, right? And, and because they have a reputation to lose, so earn your reputation, it takes time, respect it. And a second learning I had is like, don't raise money too early because the expectations are going to be so high. Things tend to take time to grow. So initially, rather raise less um, is something I could, and try to bootstrap as far as you can go. Um, that's something I could certainly recommend. So getting lots of favors out of, Favors and goodwill. Favors and goodwill definitely helps. The, the taking time thing, I completely agree with. There's, there's people that we're signing up now that we started conversations with maybe three years ago, and you just have to be consistent in, in talking to them. Yeah. Well, maybe you just need to go to the pub a little bit more, Gav. I probably should. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much to, to Gav, Gav Mercado from Realize, to Rupert Parker from Abbas & Young, and, and to Franz Durr from Flatfair. This has been a resi cast. Um, on, on killing PropTech that seems to be what we've decided to do today we're, we're <laughs> yes. killing PropTech sorry everyone we're saying it's all over guys come back with an actual solution that's the message here today don't forget to book your tickets for Resi um, you can see more about it on propertyweek.com I'm Andrew Teacher and I'm the founder of Blackstock Consulting thank you very much for listening